From Bureaucracy's basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape from this subterranean hell that is this sub-basement, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. So, here we stay. Improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. What? 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 Hello? How are, how are you doing? Uh, I, I was napping um, for a few weeks. Uh, anything happen? Um, well, I was actually really worried about you because it was really hot in here. And... Uh, I came out to do our last meeting and all I found was like a puddle in your chair. And oh, I was, yeah. I was yeah. afraid you had melted, but clearly you just rolled under your desk. I should have thought to look under it. That's okay. I, I needed to conserve energy. So I, uh, I went into stasis. Um, nice. I was in kind of a gel matrix, a little box underneath the, uh, underneath the desk. So, right. So yeah. the water in your chair must've been some condensate then from that process. Yeah, a little bit of gel, a little bit of condensate. Right. Definitely, definitely not urine. Just okay. don't even don't go there. I would hope not because I tasted That's, it. Just to I make hope, sure. I just yeah. wanted to make sure it wasn't you. Of course, right? Of course, yeah. No, it was it was delicious gel matrix. Yeah, yeah. 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 It tastes a little bit like sour apple. Sour apple Jello. Yeah. Yep, that's the matrix. Yeah. Yep, not the movie. The stuff. The stuff I suspend myself in. When I'm not up, when I'm not in these meetings. Right. Anyway, don't ask me where I get it. Anyway. Um, I wasn't going to. Good, because I'm not telling. It's not yeah. happening. You're afraid uh, I might use it. Yeah, I you, might, can, you, can, you can't have it. It's my I'm, gel matrix ball. I might start biting your gel matrix style. <laughs> you can't bite my moves. That's that nice old school uh, terminology. I like it. Uh, Anyway, shall we take attendance? Let's. So, uh, first attendee is like this, a punched eel. Uh, No, nobody's raising their hand or their punched eel. Well, you know, you know about the the mystery about the reproductive habits of eels? I did, that we don't really understand them. Right. Apparently it has been partly solved. They know that European eels leave the rivers and they go into the ocean, and they all get together in the Sargasso Sea, where they breed and uh, die. Wow. So we intercepted one of those eels, punched it, and, uh, and we brought it in here to, uh, to, uh, so it can talk about the mysteries of eel reproduction. Oh. Um, I mean. It doesn't seem to be here. I mean, I'm, I'm, worried, it, yeah. I'm worried it left for the Sargasso Sea already. Oh, man. That's a shame. Well, you know, it's either that or I mixed up the letters in a punch deal. And if I did, not saying I did, but if I did, well, I'm just going to. Paul Deschen? That's me. All right. Well, you're here. You'll do instead. I am. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, we have, you know what? We, we, have, we have another co-host on tonight. No, we don't. We do. Really? Yeah. Uh and that co-host is a retired swan. A retired swan? A retired swan. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really, uh, 
Yeah, well, we're really are desperate to, to make quorum if we're getting retired swans. Well, you we know, couldn't, well, we couldn't even get an active swan. You know, That's, retired swans, they're, they're like city councilors, right? You, you, yeah. you want to get them when they're not doing anything else. Right. So you can. Yeah. So apparently uh, swans make like a pretty good pension. So I thought we'd get a swan in. Talk about uh, like their great pension benefits. Uh, and perhaps, you know, remember, remember that book, The Trumpet of Swan? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out more about the secrets of uh, that, that book. Really? Maybe not. I don't see a swan. You know, neither do I. You know, it, and it's possible. I'm not saying this is what's happening, but it's possible I might have mixed up the letters. So if I did, um, I got diner, waster, probably not. Wariest nerd. I don't know, maybe. How about Andrew Reist? We got Andrew Reist? Present. Oh, nice. Okay. So Andrew Reist. And uh, you have to come on again, by the way, Andrew, because I, I got so many more anagrams for you. You have no idea. Uh, and uh, okay, third, and our third co-host uh, is me, Mana Airdog. Are you sure that's your name? That's, that's my name. Yeah. You know, you wondered the mana in the Bible. Remember that during uh-huh. Exodus? Like, yeah. Did that manna come from the heavens, from the Lord, or did it come from some kind of like air dog? I think I think these are the questions we need to be asking. So we uh, we found one of these air dogs, kind of like a luck dragon, you mm-hmm. know, from Never Ending Story. Tranquilized it, punched it as well, just to keep just to keep on with that continuity with the eel, uh, and uh, bringing it in to find out about the secrets of manna and if we can get some at a discounted rate. Huh? Yeah. I and again, I don't see an air dog. No, I don't think that's what and I. And the am, ceilings so. are really low here. True, true. So it'd be some kind of ground dog or some kind of worm, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, which might be me. It could be you. Oh, you know what? Sorry, this is embarrassing. I did mix up the letters. Should read Aiden Morgan. Hey, Aiden, that's you. That's me. All right, good, yeah. good. We are. Wow, we are uh, cooking with gas, as my mother would say. Yeah. Uh, we have quorum? No, still we don't. What, what, Even what, at three, it's not quorum. All right. Well, well, uh, let's let's continue nonetheless. All right. Hey, Andrew. Yeah. As as the new guy here, <laughs> so I have noticed you hanging out at City Council a fair bit, and I've noticed that you've been <laughs> writing. You've been writing about City Council a fair bit. What gives? What do you, what what would inspire you? To want to do that madness. 2022 inspired me. How so? I would say. All the things that just happened, in, you know, last year at city council just made me think to myself, you know, whether or not I do anything, I should still at least go so that I can get the full story. Because it's sometimes really hard, especially with municipal politics to uh, be able to flesh everything out. Yeah, yeah. And you've been coming to like every meeting. Well, almost. Well, pretty every, close. Almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Since February, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what about 2022 in particular? Like, were there like was there like a, a breaking point for you? A straw that broke the camel's back? Well, yeah, I, I'd say the straw that broke the camel's back was uh, the big thing. Oh, the thing that happened during the budget meeting um with you know some people behaving as they probably shouldn't 
during the council meeting. Yeah. So I, I was like, what the heck? And I, I wrote actually to uh, the city and what have you. Uh, still haven't heard back, even though they said that, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you. But nope, they decided to stay silent. So I decided to start attending. What did you write the city about? Like, can you tell us it what was, was? It was in regards to uh, what I believe was the action of a city councillor um, and a city employee. Okay. <laughs> are, are you... and, and uh yeah it was just i i was kind of surprised that i didn't get some sort of response and that they just decided to stay quiet but you know that that is their right as they say so i thought i'd exercise my right in starting to attend these things are you, are you willing and able to to read this uh letter out if not that's fine if you don't have it in front of you or if you don't want to I, I don't have it in front of me, um, but it, it, it was in, it, if you want to tease it out, it was a, in regards to what I believe, uh, you know, Councillor Mole um, laughing with a, uh, a member of the city staff. It, right. it, it's really hard to tell because of the angles of the cameras and whatnot, but it seems pretty obvious to and me. And it's anyway. when... People were, it was during the, the time when the delegations were telling like really heartbreaking stories. Yeah, about the, the particular delegate. Yeah, the particular delegation that was speaking at the time was even, you know, speaking about, you know, death and harm, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seemed like a very inappropriate time to be doing that. And considering the amount of times that the mayor, you know, chided the crowd. For like, yeah, hooping and hollering and whatnot. I was surprised that didn't do anything at that point with the, you know, council's yeah. behavior. I think one of the things that happens is that, uh, like, councillors, uh, they sit in those chairs for a very, very long time. They get sort of very comfortable in that environment. And I do think they have a tendency to sometimes just tune out what's going on. Uh, from the gallery. And I think sometimes because they become so comfortable in that space, they become unaware of, uh, you know, how, how stressful it is to present at council uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how meaningful for a lot of people it is. You know, this is humdrum workaday world for a city councillor by the time they're in their first or second year. And, uh, but for the people who are there, this could be the first time they're speaking in front of, uh, you know, politicians and the yeah. public even, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I like, I don't want to say that to like sort of diminish, you know, like, or to excuse what they were doing. Like, I think, yeah, I, I, I was more trying to say that I think that, you know, counselors need to pay attention and be aware of, yeah. you know, the environment that they operate within. So um, you've presented a few times at council yourself too, hey? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, the, the first time I presented was actually in regards to the uh, release of the catalyst report yeah yeah you loved it right oh all what was it 691 pages yeah and you were like (laughs) can we have more are there more pages that you're not showing us because i want even more well you you know the 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 funny thing is is i'm pretty sure there are actually more they just uh didn't include it they said what Mm -hmm. was it counselor hawkins said they pared ten thousand pages down to 
you know, what they ended up coming up with. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think he was exaggerating. Sorry, go on. But they still (laughs) found time for, like, vapid platitudes and unsupportable claims? That's bold. Bold choice. Anyway. I wonder what they would have cut then. All the coffee talk. Hey, Andrew, where did you move here from? Uh, so uh, that's a bit of a long qu- uh, answer to a short question. Uh, <laughs> but I moved uh, here uh, from Edmonton um, <laughs> back in June of 2021. Um, but I had only lived in Edmonton uh, from October 2020 till June. I had actually hail from Vancouver Island. Oh, wow. It's cheaper out here. I like it. Were you a council watcher in Edmonton? Uh, a little bit. Um, but, you know, just like back home on the island, you know, maybe there's like one or two things that happen. Usually only one thing that happens. It's kind of like, oh, my God, in like the four years. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, what the heck's going on? Um, but, yeah, I, I've been I, I was uh, one of those kids in middle school. I'd go home for lunch. And when I was home for lunch, uh, was the same time as question period uh, for <laughs> like in Ottawa. So and you'd watch I got it? To watch, yes, I got to watch awesome. the likes of uh, Peter Milliken and a very, very young Andrew Shear. A baby Shear. <laughs> a baby Shear, yeah. Baby Shear. Nice. So uh, we're on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. We're talking with Andrew East. Quick shift, I should mention at this break time, that we do have some new neighbors right now uh, outside as like evidence that the the situation from the budget uh, that, that you were motivated by has not gone away. Uh, t- in celebration of the one-year anniversary of the motion to, uh, you know, fund an end to homelessness, uh, people gathered in Victoria Park and built a tent city. And they were kicked out of Victoria Park. So they just picked up their tent and moved over to the park in front of City Hall. And uh, that's where they I, are now. I believe, actually, they were in Pepsi Park. Pepsi Park. You're correct. Okay. I apologize. Which, yeah. which made the move over, like, yeah, which made yeah, the move to the City Council, even or the City Hall area, even more impressive, I would say. Uh, yes, I agree. So they are out there right now as we're recording this. You can you can almost hear them through the vents. But uh, yeah, there have been about uh, 20 or more people sleeping uh, in front of City Hall uh, overnight. Uh, they have a series of tents there. Um, there have been uh, people there providing like food and support and uh, blankets and whatnot to help them uh, get through the evenings, which have been getting like more chilly of late. And uh, when I spoke to the people up there, the uh, spirits were pretty high. Everybody seemed pretty to be enjoying themselves. And apparently the rules that govern parks in the city do not apply to the park in front of City Hall. So the police don't have the same sort of like freedom to remove these people for trespassing in front of City Hall that they do uh, elsewhere in the city. Those those park rules aren't governing things. And I've just heard from a friend of the show, Kale McClellan, that they have heard that at present the police are unwilling to uh, move the uh, the folks out of the, the little area that they've taken up in that park. And uh, so they are there for the foreseeable future, it seems. And... Uh, 
apparently while they were still in Pepsi Park, they had like a uh, they'd made a cake that had the text of the motion to uh, end homelessness <laughs> written on it and a little number one candle. And uh, they celebrated the one year anniversary and now they're outside. So they'll be and so, you know, they'll be able to greet our city councilors well, on Wednesday as they show up to do their work. Was the cake enjoyed as unanimously as the motion was passed? I suspect it was. Yes. All right. Well, they'll regret that. They'll say, oh, we were tricked into eating this cake. But they'll say later, Trixie Bakers, they'll claim. Yeah. Well, you know, there there seems to be one um, very surprising uh, supporter against houselessness in Regina. Who's that? Because didn't you you know uh, the mayor has said that homeless encampments are not the answer. Not exactly sure what she believes the answer is at this point, but uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone could agree that, you know, the homeless don't deserve to sleep at, you know, in city hall area. Yeah. Well, she, she did. She did. She was one of the, you know, the counselors that passed the motion and then went on CBC radio, I believe to enthuse about the motion. So obviously she's in support of it. I, I, I zoned out after that and I'm not sure what happened, but that's my understanding. So that's obviously what she meant. Yeah. 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 I'm sure she'll be out there like shaking hands and handing out soup uh, before Wednesday's meeting. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah. I look forward to seeing that. This yeah. Week. Same. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, there's other stuff going on at this council meeting. And, um, you know, Andrew, I'm, I'm hoping you can, like, can help us uh, sort out what the heck is going on, because this is a doozy of a friggin' council meeting coming up on Wednesday. It's 770 pages, and that's without any delegations. Ooh. That is mm-hmm. just pure reports from beginning to end. Ooh. Yeah. And it starts. An alarming thing that has been happening with our council reports is that uh, we used to just get the report and then sometimes they would occasionally do little tweaks to the agenda order. Uh, Lately, they've been like doing dramatic changes. And so the top of the agenda will have these like red items that are like have either been like added at the last minute or they've been shuffled to the top. And this week, the thing that is like right at the top of the agenda is the city solicitor has friggin retired effective June 30th. So this is um, Byron Wary, and he has been the city solicitor for as long as I can remember. And he, again, like this happened with Louise Folk, who just, uh, she was the chief transformation officer, and she surprise retired. And uh, these are not people who look particularly old or retirement age, and yet they seem to be going off into the sunset all of a sudden. And um, yeah, so this means that we have now lost. Uh, Chris Holden, the city manager, was fired. Mm-hmm. Diana Horlick, the executive director of planning, uh, mutually agreed to leave. Louise Folk, as I mentioned, uh, retired. Uh, she was the chief transformation officer. Kim Onray, the executive director of citizen services, retired. And Byron Weary, now the um, the city solicitor. Uh Holden, Harlech, Folk, and Onrate were all on the executive leadership team. Byron Wary was like their, their counsel. So this means that since Sandra Masters has taken over as mayor, we have lost our entire executive leadership team, with the exception of Barry Lacey, the chief financial officer. So we're down to like one 
top executive left at City Hall uh, from where we were two years ago. So that's an awful lot of um, like management memory to like, yeah, that's a, disappear. Yeah. yeah, it is. So um, well, now, and I don't, we're, now we're, I'm on Barry Lacey retirement watch now. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> See, I don't think he's going to go because one of the things that I've noticed about Barry Lacey is like in everything that he says, the man who had like a Milton Friedman poster up in his dorm room at college, he's like, he's got like a membership with Mensa and uh, he can talk your ear off about supply side economics. I bet you the mayor loves this guy and they get on like a house on fire. The house being like, you know, the city. Yes. Yeah. On fire. Yeah. Um, An alarming uh, detail, though, in the uh, report about hiring a new city solicitor. I don't know if it should be. Well, you guys tell me if this is alarming. Two items in the middle of this are one that the city manager is asking to have uh, the city delegate authority to the city manager to appoint the new city solicitor and establish the terms and conditions of the employment contract. And the city solicitor also, or sorry, the city manager also wants to have delegated the authority delegated to the city manager to have the city solicitor report directly to them, to the city manager. In the past, the city solicitor has reported directly to council. And now that legal counsel will be reporting through city manager thoughts. I honestly, uh, when I read that, I was a tiny bit flabbergasted. I would say I, I don't see why that needs to be a thing really, you know, cause you would think, a, a city solicitor, you know, doing what they do, you know, reporting to council seems to be the logical choice. Like, I know the report mentions that, you know, other uh, Canadian municipalities are going this route, but for how long and how has it, you know, panned out since that's happened? That would be my question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure what this, that implies from a structural point of view. Uh, My, my main worry is that why would we be, giving more authority to somebody who is still fairly new and who so far has seemed often a bit out of their depth and courting controversy. Uh, I just seems like a strange choice to like take on more authority uh, and, and just straight up or I'll say empower within, within the ranks of the city. Yeah. Well, I mean, given that, e- yeah, e- even, you know, if we think, uh, you know, this city manager is the best city manager Regina has ever had, which I mean, hey, you know, things could still happen. And, you know, she is genuinely Maybe. a nice person. Um, you know, what about the next city manager or three city managers from now? You know, mm-hmm. what could they figure out to do with that power, you know, as it fleshes out? I'm just yeah, it's curious. It's an it, I, I would I would like to see more about this and and what some of the implications. Uh, there is the element to the city solicitor's job where they're in charge of like uh, enforcement and bylaws and things like that. So that is kind of a an element to their job that does have you know you could see why that should be streaming through um, the city manager's desk. 
but that even seems like an odd thing for the city solicitor to be like, why is our, why is the city's lawyer also have this, you know, manager's job, you know, an executive director job where they're running a department on top of the fact that, you know, they've been busy lately with all the friggin', you know, legal stuff that's been going on at city hall. I would think they're, I, I would think their plates, you know, pretty full just being a lawyer for the city, but I don't know. Um, yeah, so we'll find out more about that. There'll be an interim uh, city solicitor appointed at this meeting. And then, uh, yeah, uh, they they will start a job search, apparently. Uh, I, I expect this will be a little bit contentious, um, this expansion of the city manager's powers, for obvious reasons. We I know that we have like, at least two city councillors who may have, um, uh, you know, a fraught relationship with the city manager. Yeah, ho- hopefully uh, council decides to uh, take a broader look at that option rather than just rubber stamp it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, all right. So uh, I guess at this point, we should consider going on to uh, innovative revenue tools. Uh, I actually have an innovative revenue tool for this week. It's been a while. It has. Uh, so innovative revenue tools are like tools that are innovative, that help us raise revenue that uh, doesn't involve uh, raising taxes. And uh, I, I've noticed that there's this, uh, there's this new trend in landscaping in the Queen City and is covering lawns, whether they be uh, yard lawns. Or, um, you know, even the city itself is starting to do this in some like, you know, berms and boulevards and stuff uh, where instead of putting grass or, or weeds or something, you put rocks, like nice, good sized rocks. And so my innovative revenue tool is we need to start prospecting because I'm willing to bet that if you look hard enough, there's going to be some valuable rocks in them that are rocks. I'm thinking there could be geodes. There could be there could be like ores and minerals mm-hmm. that we could exploit perhaps even this is saskatchewan perhaps uranium like i i, I hear there's telecommunications lines under them their plazas <laughs> see yep. the thi- and those are made of copper copper mm-hmm. and uh copper is a valuable mineral so i am i am all for this okay I think, I think we need to get i think we need to get a bunch of old-timey prospectors out here yeah. Um, tell them to stop panning for gold, as that was done in the 19th century, or early 20th, and get them up, get them here. Yeah, I can see, I can see this being a problem out in like Harbor Landing or Greens and Gardner to have like these old timey prospectors like wandering up and down the streets and stopping on people's lawns with their pickaxes, and they start pulling out rocks and like hammering them in half to see if there's anything good inside. But yeah. when the- when these suburbanites see how this is like offsetting tax dollars that they should be paying to like fix the roads and whatnot, I'm uh-huh. sure they'll like let us prospect in their yards. And think of the tourism dollars. We turn this into a big old West town. Yeah. And we get like these guys saying tarnation wherever they go. Yeah. Heck, we wouldn't even like, we could just like let the word get out that there's like value to prospecting on people's lawns in the suburbs and people from all over are going to be coming here hunting for hunting for gold and geodes on people's lawns. People are like, take us to Cooperstown where they, where I hear the prospectors are a prospecting and rooting and tooting. Yes, sir. 
All right. Well, you guys seem to be okay with this idea. So I'm going to write the report and I will send it upstairs and see how far that goes. All right. We're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau and we're here with Andrew Reist talking about city council stuff. Andrew, were you there for the uh, when Namorand showed up to make their uh, their latest pitch to keep their parking lot downtown? I was indeed. Yes, you, you witnessed how they they got it. They got the extension, so this will have been. They want to extend their parking lot zoning for one more year. It was supposed to be three, so it will have been a parking lot under extension for six years when it was a re- like on top of the original three. So. Nine years on the question. What are the squatting rules for parking lots? Oh, if we could squat in a parking lot? No, uh, if a parking lot's been there so long, can it just stay a parking lot? I don't think so. Not in this case. It's, uh, um, yeah, it's got a special zoning and it will expire at the end of this year. They can ask for another extension, but they have promised this time that that won't happen. Oh. Yeah, I um, though I wanted to play a little clip from this meeting, and uh, it's a it's a good moment because we actually get like a little bit of explanation about what's going on. Uh, Namorand had wanted to build a large affordable housing complex on top of like a retail strip uh, that started like nine years ago. It didn't come together. They now say that they have a new plan. Uh, a representative of Namron showed up with a representative from their uh, construction company, Big Block Construction, which they've partnered with to build this, and a representative from uh, CMHC, the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, all showed up to council to say, for real, this is happening this time. Uh, but this is how that uh, went when it became Councillor Nelson's turn to ask questions. Councillor Nelson. Thank you very much. Um, I've had lots of questions regarding this. Um, we've been told that you were in talks with CMHC when I first got into council and you first asked for the extension. We found out that that wasn't true. Um, now CMHC is here to say that we've been in. No, you did what tell did me. What did I lie about? Did you just say I lied to you? Councillor Nelson, we don't attempt to debate. Uh, I, I'm not so going to accept what that. What I'm saying is, is that now CMHC is here to say that yes, this is something that we're going to look into. Wow. How long before? How long did he, before they came to you, and now, and will this take before something is going to go through the, the process of, of being approved through the chair? Ms. Mayor, do I get an apology for being called a liar in public like this? I think if we have Mr. Ramage answer the question first. Okay, so how can you can you repeat your question, please? So yeah, so when this you're here now, you weren't here before when when they were asking for the extension. You're here now, saying that they've come to you to ask for financing and that it's going through the process. Yes. So when did they come to you for you to be here, and how long will this process take before it's approved through the chair? So I had the first initial meeting. So, okay, so I'll back up. So this has been going on, like this, this project originally I was involved with, was, it was much bigger than what it's, what it's proposed to now. So this was, I don't know how many years ago it was, a number of years ago. So um, it was a parking lot then, CMHC, myself, the underwriter I was referring to was working with them to try to get this thing off the ground. As I mentioned in my, pre, in my first comments, it just wasn't viable because of scale and cost. And, and so 
um, we, we went back to them and said, okay, scale it back essentially. Let's revamp this. We still are interested. We still want to do this. Uh, we had another project with uh, Namrin under a separate program that we had funding for. The building wasn't a good fit, so it, it, it fell apart. Now, um, I've been working, again, with the same parcel. I have been working with Namrin and some consultants um, probably nine months ago um, on, on, this, on this. And then Robert came to me... Um, Maybe a month and a half ago, saying, "Hey, we got a new, we got a new partner. We got Big Block. We want to sit down. We want to talk." I said, "Okay, great. Let's sit down. Let's talk." We had a meeting with Big Block. Um, they talked about the project. They talked about scaling it back. They talked about some of the costs involved, and that's that's where we sit today. All right. So that is uh, how that went. Yeah. Wow. That when when I heard that, because yeah, I was sitting sitting um there, going, I I was just looking very quizzically, like why there are so many ways you could phrase it to make it better, to yeah. to make it a better question, you know. Yeah. Right. I don't know why that avenue was gone the first route. Yeah. And I'm surprised that Mayor Masters just allowed the question to be asked and answered the way that it was instead of, you know, uh, when it, when a delegation, especially, you know, somebody from like a local company uh, is clearly taking offense at a counselor's question that that wasn't shut down immediately and apology demanded. Uh, mm -hmm. Instead, she, she, she indicated that the representative, the, the non-Indigenous person who represented CMHC should respond to Councillor Nelson's question that directly insulted a, uh, an Indigenous person uh, from Namarind. Um, uh, that was Robert Byers from Namarind who, uh, uh, you know, took umbrage at Councillor Nelson's question there. I, I mean... It didn't really surprise me in a way, in a way that like, okay, yeah, figure out a way to answer that question. And then I think at some point while other questions were being asked by Councillor Fundura after that, um, the mayor basically uh, spoke to Councillor Nelson, you know, during that point and yes. was, who knows what was said, but uh, a, a form of an apology was eventually uttered. It was also, a, that was also like a strange uh, situation because um, what came after this is that the representative from um, CMHC, uh, it was Derek J. Ramage from CMHC who responded to Councillor Nelson's question. And what he explained was that we had been involved with this quest, with this project right at the beginning. We flagged the fact that the project was too big and it it involved too much retail. It wasn't the kind of project that CMHC typically got involved in. So they made a bunch of suggestions. Namarind has gone away. They've come back. And what they have now is a scaled down project that uh, CMHC finds much more sort of within the realm of what they will fund. So that's that was um, his response to Nelson's question. Uh, Nelson got to come back and ask a bunch more questions of clarification around the de date without any apology. She simply got to ask more questions. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Robert Byers from Namrind responded to her incredibly politely, I thought, considering how this had just gone. And then uh, this is what happened after Nelson got to ask her second round of questions at this council meeting. 
Thank you. Point of order. Responding to Mr. Byer's previous comment and ask a ruling from the chair, 14 sub 12 sub B of the procedure by law, members shall not, quote, use offensive words in referring to any member or to any official of the city or member of the public. I heard Mr. Byers to say offensive words were used in relationship to him from Councillor Nelson. Um, I would ask a ruling from the chair on whether that occurred and what, if any, remedy flows from that. I think the term that was used was uh, the timeline was not true, correct? Do you understand the timeline now? Yes, now we have the timeline. <clears throat> Go ahead. Sorry, the, the wasn't That's on. That's not really an apology. Sorry? I said that, you know, that's one of those backhanded apologies we call I it in my house. But you know what? All of what I was just trying to figure out the timeline, and I was just saying, and I apologize. I didn't mean to say it wasn't true. I found out the, the true timeline, and that's what I needed to find out, and that's what I needed to know. And I was just confused. We got our wires crossed, our communications crossed. So I apologize. Thank you. So that's how the apology actually happened. Councillor LeBlanc actually had to make a point of order and basically demand mm. an apology from, uh, from Councillor Nelson. What happened was unnecessary, really, I think. So do you, do you think that uh, Councillor Nelson misspoke and then just failed to apologize? Is, is, that, is that the sense of what happened? That's the sense I'm getting. Is there more to it than that that I that I'm not catching? I, I mean, I think she may have been careful with her words to an extent because she didn't outright call the delegate a liar. She just said, "Oh, the timelines weren't true." That I I, I think we all can infer correctly what she meant um, without yeah. without. But if I misspeak and say something that implies that somebody else is a liar, and they turn to me and they say, are you saying I lied? Are you calling me a liar? The first thing I do is say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. That's not what I was trying to get across. I apologize yeah. unreservedly for, <laughs> for saying that. And then I would correct what I had said and uh, rephrase it so that it was not so offensive. Well, I... I Still, like during this meeting, if you uh, notice the first bit, uh, the mayor said uh, to Councillor Nelson, we don't engage in debate. So who knows what Councillor Nelson may have responded with? We won't know yeah. because that was shut down. Well, and also, though, like if I was the chair, I would stop it right away, especially with a wildcard councillor like Nelson. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, Trina... Don't do this again. We can't. We can't handle another freaking media scandal because you like you've said something silly at council. Yeah, but you have to remember: every minute you burn uh, brings you closer to uh, a possible call for adjournment. Well, yeah, this is true. I suppose. I don't know. I just feel like this was a situation where if you have 
a delegate who's clearly taken offense, it behooves the chair to step in and to try and like mitigate that harm that was caused. The, the apology that we got was more an explanation to save face for the counselor, followed by a limp, limp, limp apology. If I was Robert Byers from Namorant, I would not have been very impressed. Yeah, I don't think he was impressed from that point on. But I mean, like, if you look even just as close as back as uh, December, um, what the chair did in this instance should not surprise anyone. How do you mean? It, the um, bad behavior patrol is more directed to the public than it is to council in most regards. You know, there might be some instances here and there, but generally during council meetings, it's, you know, business, 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 and, you know, oh, hey, there's some clapping, stop it or you get tossed out. But yeah, councillors, um, you know, just talk and do whatever and not pay attention. Nah, that's fine. Yeah. And I would have thought that Councillor Nelson would be on like triple super extra probation at this point and might be under a little bit of more close scrutiny. Anyways, we are on 91.3 FM CJTR. We're John Community Radio, and we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau talking to Andrew Reist about all the shenanigans that are going on at City Council these days. I, I don't know if you want to get into, like, onto uh, Scar Street Mall, if you guys have any oh, secrets. No, I, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah, I did want to get onto Scar Street Mall, our future parking lot downtown. <laughs> so, yeah, Scar Street is totally being... Uh, considered for being opened back up to parking, but you've been doing some research on it. Uh, Not to parking, sorry, to cars. Okay, traffic. traffic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, jeez. Yeah, no, I've, uh, you know, I'm a relatively new resident of Regina, but something like the Scar Street Mall, you know, even where I'm from isn't really a thing. And I, I think it's really interesting to have a little piece of, you know, a carless area you know, in downtown, like a downtown of the city. Yeah. Yeah. It's one block. That's it. That's the carless part. Yeah. We can't have that, Aiden. No, no. The the traffic, like the spice, must flow. Yes. Um, So, but Andrew, you've been doing some research into Scar Street. Yes. Um, Back, uh, you know, in 1974, when they were even just considering this, you know, Scar Street Mall being but a twinkle in the alderman's and mayor's eyes, as it were. Um, you know, it seemed like uh, they were really gung-ho into getting it done, so much so that when they did plan to build it, um, they wanted to get it done uh, before a summer Olympic, like a Canadian Summer Olympics, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. So they got it done in two years at a cost of $500,000. Uh back then which in today's money is 2.6 million just uh for that one block wow that's that's a bargain compared to what we paid for the uh, plaza so (laughs) yes indeed um you know i was i went to the farmer's market and i ran into a guy who said uh he worked at an engineering firm that had worked on scar street mall when it was being turned into a pedestrian mall. Uh, I wasn't sure, like, I didn't want to ask because that would be kind of asking his age if he had actually worked on that project. 
but I think he might have because he was a re- he was a retired architect, and he noted that if you look at the surface of Scar Street Mall, it was always it was prepared so that it could be returned to a traffic like for car traffic fairly easily. If you look at the ground, that you can see the outline of the curb that runs down both sides of the street and it has it has like bulb outs so that pedestrians can cross easily and like you know jutting in areas for uh you know drop off and pick up traffic on the street so he claimed to me now this is just a random dude who i'm hoping is listening to the show hello uh who i ran into at the farmer's market who said you really just have to pick out the cobbles down the center of the uh the plaza and uh, well, the, sorry, the, uh, the pedestrian mall. And there's a road surface under there. And all of the underground infrastructure work was done back at that time uh, to ready it, uh, you know, so that it could be used for either, either purpose. They, they, won't, they won't do that. Like if they return to traffic, they're not going to do that. They'll no? do something far more damaging and expensive. I, ju- I just know it. Yeah. Like, anyway. It, it's been nearly 50 years. Um, you know, there, there's a particular counselor who mentioned uh, back in February something about, you know, trees, uh, which, uh, you know, counselors or even back then aldermen, you know, would essentially plant so that future generations could enjoy. I think Scar Street Mall uh, is a textbook example of such a thing. So they want to have a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't well, I don't know about you two, but what I really want is to be able to go to the Scar Street Mall and sit outside and have my dinner and a glass of wine while cars like blow exhaust fumes over my food and into my face. That's that's all I want for an urban experience. So I'm so yeah. I'm so dead inside that if I don't have some exhaust blown onto my food, I don't taste anything. Fair enough. I'm sure that's probably like our actual source of nourishment. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. All, 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 all that food you you were mentioning, I'm surprised you didn't ask for cars to be doing donuts. Oh, while you were uh, out oh. there eating. That, that that is a QCIB level pun. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely an improvement vector now. If there was any doubt yeah, before, yeah, exactly. You're one of us. It's too late. No turning back. Yeah. Or, oh no. There's no leaving the basement now. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know when we're going to hear about this. I was hoping that we would hear uh, the results of that survey that you took uh, before the end of June, but I suspect it'll be sometime in the fall. You know, we'll I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't concerned about safety in, on Scarth Street for, for people before I took the survey, but because all those questions that they asked about concern, being concerned about my safety, now I'm very concerned about my safety. They they got you nervous. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to leave my my place now, because yeah. what what if the danger comes all the way to my door? What if it spills out from Scarth Street and comes? Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have a uh, um very cool compliment to pay to the city staff in regards to the whole Scarth Street thing. Um, okay. I had emailed um essentially the city clerk, I believe it was, or Eric got a question off to them about any information they had about the design and building of it and within four hours of me asking that question i got three pages because they are all they already happen to be starting to look that's probably the quickest i've ever of 
reply I've gotten from any level of government at any point. That's oh, awesome. That's pretty great. Yeah. 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 Cool. So have you gotten any of the original drawings or any of the, uh, any like cool documents that uh... I, I haven't yet. Um, I, who, who knows? Um, I've been thinking of seeing about going to like, uh, wherever they store the architectural plans, um, and seeing if there's anything there. Um, uh, but yeah, that's hard. Open in the future. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think like the city archives are even, are even in like a deeper sub basement than we are. <laughs> you, you must've heard the uh, city clerk staff going down the stairway. Yeah, yeah. Up and down, up and down. Yeah. They don't say hi to us or anything. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, just briefly, I do want to bring up this uh, parking minimums report that uh, we've been following since January of 2021. Uh, Councillor Stevens made a request back in January of 21 for a report on, you know, what happens if we got rid of parking minimums? What would that do to the city? The report came back uh, and uh, basically, city administration said, let's just keep things the way they are because we've got a fairly new zoning bylaw. Let's let it sit and simmer. But inside that report, it, they, they made it sound very good. You know, getting rid of parking minimums is something that cities all across North America and Europe are doing. They're just like, you know, removing parking minimums. Every week you hear about a new city in North America that's like gotten rid of them and it's leading to, you know, cheaper housing. It's easier to build things. It just has all of these fantastic spinoff benefits. So Councillor Stevens just wanted a report. When it finally came back to council, September of last year, Councillor uh, Brashani snuck in, raised her hand, was the mover of the report and actually flipped it into a request for another report about raising, like increasing parking minimums for apartment buildings in Greenfield, like in new suburbs. Because as far as she's concerned, out in the new suburbs where all these like, you know, tall apartment buildings are, there's just nowhere to park. Nobody has anywhere to park out in these neighborhoods. And she was very angry with city staff that when they did their parking study, they didn't go out to these neighborhoods on a workday evening to see just how there's no parking out there whatsoever. So Councillor Stevens never even got to try to make a motion to get rid of parking problems in Regina because Councillor Brashani had scooped him on his own report and requested this other report on increasing parking minimums. Well, that report is coming to city council this week. And uh, it is kind of interesting because it is a complete repudiation of everything that Councillor Bershani had asserted when she was making this request. Uh, Council uh, city staff went out and they checked these neighborhoods on weekday evenings and found there's still plenty of parking in the evenings. Uh, they basically referred to it as an oversupply. They did like uh, three or four different study areas and only found that in one study area, there wasn't any parking. Like the parking was all used up. They said that had to do with the unique street design of that area, but that there it's not a crisis out in the suburbs. And so they've once again said that let's just leave it the way it is. Let's just keep the status quo. But I did find it interesting that in this report, they make a lot of references to how 
great it is when you get rid of parking minimums and how parking minimums really do limit a city's ability to, you know, become walkable, to have affordable housing, all of these things that parking, uh, you know, adds costs to the parking minimums are making worse. So it's just sad that this is the best we get is that administration gets to say, please don't do this, please, please, Councillor Gershani. And I suspect what we're going to get on Wednesday is that Councillor Bershani is going to make a motion to increase the parking requirements for uh, apartment buildings in Greenfield and new suburbs from one per unit, one parking stall per unit to 1.5, which is where it was years ago. And I suspect it will get past. My guess is I actually like posted this online. I'm willing to bet that Brashani, Hawkins, Nelson, Fendura, Mole, Mancinelli, and Masters will vote in favor of increasing the parking minimums. So that's where my bet is. So anyways. I think that's a pretty fair prediction. Yeah. I mean, I did respond to you. I I believe Hawkins has uh, been the voice of the uh, administration in all his uh, support he's had for them in the past. So I don't know if he's as strong a vote as you might expect. But he's also the counselor for Harbor Landing. You could be right. And, you know, I've, I'm, I'm terrible at predicting things. But uh, Harbor Landing residents, uh, the one consistent narrative that comes out of that neighborhood is that it's a parking and traffic nightmare. So I think that he in you know in serving his residents, he's he has to like you know pay obeisance to the gods of parking whenever he gets a chance. So maybe they should just get a giant uh, parking like m- not mall or whatever. A parking yeah. which? Sorry, you kind of. Uh, I was going to say parking mall, but uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But like you know, multi-tier story parking, and then they can all just walk to their homes. Yeah, but it ha- it has to be a giant gray blob in the center of Harbor Landing. Maybe it could be like a Ferris wheel, but for cars, you just drive up and it picks, just keeps rotating you upward. I like that. Don't don't knock it until you think about it very carefully and at great length, or 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 actually just knock it immediately because it's ridiculous. Anyway, anyways, um, yeah. Well, on that note, um. I think we're we're getting close to out of time. Uh, Andrew, are you going to be at council on Wednesday? I plan on being there, yeah. Right on. Uh, so that will actually happen. Th- so this will be airing the day after the meeting that you went to. So I hope you will well, have I, been there. I better hold myself to my uh, what I said then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. And uh, yeah, with that, I guess, uh, or, you know, the time locks are going to open. We're gonna, they're going to kick us out. Okay. Uh, let's see. Are we moving to adjourn then? Well, if we were, I would second that motion. All right, then. Hypothetically, uh, motion is passed. Carried. This meeting is adjourned. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CGTR, which is community radio. Uh, we are broadcast from 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursday evenings, and we broadcast Monday to 4 p.m. Uh, our host today, Paul DeShed and Aiden Morgan, plus Andrew Reist. Uh, thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, music by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter at QueenCityIB and our website, QueenCityIB.com, as well as CJTR.ca. Uh, coming up next, we got Rhythm and Vibes. We've got some music, rhythm and vibes, and Lunar Lounge. 
and then it's music all on through the evening and that is it keep on improving giant